Hallelujah. Amen. Praise the Lord. Uh, we thank God for tonight. And um, how many of you are ready for the word? How many of you are ready for the word? Yeah. All right. Today there's no I. And today there's no Oh, oh, as if you are, you are sad that there's no I. <laughs> yeah. So today we are going to continue with the series I started before our 21 day fast on um, the supernatural. All right. What are some of the things we've looked at under the subject of the supernatural so far? Yes, anybody, what are some of the things we've looked at? Pardon? <laughs> oh, this one, I just a small recap. <clears throat> the ministry of angels. Yes, the ministry of angels. Yes, what else? Oh, you've forgotten so soon. What else have you looked at? Pardon? Offices of what? <laughs> Ministry of Health. <laughs> this office and they say, I'll give you three or ten. <laughs> Which offices did we look at? Yes, the Ministry Offices. Yes. Uh-huh. What else have we looked at? Is it that you don't remember or you are just being diplomatic? Uh-huh. What else? What else have we looked at? Oh, I should pick the microphone and start coming around. What else have we looked at? We've looked at the, the, the ministry officers. Uh-huh. Angels, the ministry of angels. Uh-huh. What else? Those are not the only things we've looked at under the supernatural. What else? People are whispering things, though, but they don't want to see. <laughs> Uh-huh. What else have we looked at? The Ransford, what else? The gifts of the Spirit, uh-huh. What else? What else? Oh, didn't we look at the, what do you call it? Pay specific attention to the prophetic ministry. The prophetic ministry in the modern day church. I talked about the challenges. I gave you signs of a questionable prophet. What are some of the signs of a questionable prophet? He demands money before he ministers. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> yes, what else? Pardon? He keeps drawing attention to himself instead of drawing attention to God and to Jesus. Yes. No word base, zero word base. No word base, nothing. Aha, uh-huh. what else? Yes, those who claim they started seeing before they became born again is questionable. Maybe something from their ancestors <laughs> that has been showing them things and not necessarily the spirit of God. Uh-huh. Yes. What else? Signs of a questionable prophet. Yes, Henry. Yes, manipulative and domineering. You can't do anything without consulting me first. Even what you eat tomorrow, I have to give you the aquanchere. In the direction before you do it manipulative domineering it's like you know they have this 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 i don't know it's like you just don't feel free around them controlling and all of that it's, it's not from god the spirit of god brings liberty it doesn't bring bondage okay all right so these are some of the things we've looked at amongst other things and as i told you on sunday um today we're going to look at satan's kingdom the kingdom of Satan, all right? It's, impossible, it's, it's important for us as believers to understand the whole concept of the kingdom of Satan because um, it helps us to understand what we are into. It helps us to understand what we are up against. If we understand how Satan's kingdom came into being and how Satan's kingdom is structured, it helps us to pray better, all right? And in this day and age, where one of the factors people use to manipulate others is fear, it's important for us to understand the enemy we are facing. When you understand the enemy you are facing, you know exactly how to go against the enemy. Hallelujah. Yes, so we're going to look at Satan's kingdom, the structure of Satan's kingdom. We're going to look at how Satan's kingdom came into being, the origins 
of, of Satan's kingdom. The Bible says we are not ignorant of the devices of the enemy. We are not ignorant of the devices of the enemy. If somebody comes to you, you go for a meeting, for example, and a prophet comes and tells you there is a certain principality in your family. Straight away, you should know that this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. Principalities don't operate over families. Okay? So these are some of the things I'm going to teach you. Principalities don't operate over families. They operate over you when we get there. I'll teach you what principalities are and what they do. But principalities don't operate in families. Okay? There are other things that operate in families. All right. So let's look at how we know that Satan has a kingdom. How do we know that Satan has a kingdom? Let's read Mark chapter 3. Mark chapter 3, verses 22 to 24. Mark chapter 3. This was a situation where Jesus Christ did some miracles. He cast out some devils. And some people were standing there saying all kinds of things. Some were saying he was using the power of Beelzebub. That is Satan. To cast out Satan. He said, and the scribes which came down from Jerusalem said... He had Beelzebub, and by the prince of the devil, casted he out devils. All right? So, this is a case where Jesus Christ is using the power of the Holy Spirit to deliver people. And some people were standing somewhere and saying that he was using the power of Satan. Next verse. And he called them unto him and said unto them in parables, How can Satan cast out Satan? Next. And if a kingdom be divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. Before the statement, he had talked about Satan casting out Satan. And in the next verse, he's saying, if a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. He's referring here to the kingdom of Satan. The fact that the kingdom of Satan if it is divided against itself. You see, they were trying to accuse him of being part of the kingdom of Satan. And he was saying, if a kingdom is divided against itself, it is not going to stand. At least it tells us that in Jesus' mind, or in his understanding, Satan does have a kingdom. So the question is, how did this kingdom come about? What are the origins of the kingdom of Satan? For us to understand the origins of the kingdom of Satan and the foundations of the kingdom of Satan, it's important for us to look at the fall of Satan. It's important for us to look at the fall of man as well. Okay? The creation of the earth and the fall of man. We need to look at all of these things in context. For us to understand the origins and the foundations of the kingdom of Satan. So first of all, it's important for us to know. According to Ephesians chapter 6 verse 12. There are certain elements in the kingdom of Satan. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 6 verse 12. Ephesians 6 12. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Now, the first statement is that we wrestle not. Everybody say wrestle. Say wrestle. Now, there are a lot of words that are used to depict fighting. It could have said we box not because boxing too is a type of fighting right he could have said we karate <laughs> not because it's also a type of fighting wrestling is one type of fighting i believe there was a reason why paul under the inspiration of the holy spirit chose to use the word wrestle and that is because wrestling is a kind of fight it's a it's a contact fight okay it's not like far away it's not it's not like you have a gun and you are shooting it's a contact fight you you are you are dealing with the the thing it's it's body to body it's a it's a close range kind of something you understand so he's saying we wrestle not against flesh and blood but against principalities against powers 
against the rulers of the darkness of this world and against spiritual wickedness in high places. I'll take time to go through all of these things one by one. But it's important for us to note that this portion of scripture is a significant paradigm shift. All right? It's a significant paradigm shift. Because if you look at the Old Testament, you hardly find anything that has got to do with dealing with demons and you know things like that with the exception of what happened in uh, Daniel chapter 10 that I spoke to you about on Sunday there's very little about you know us fighting against demons a lot of the fights that you see in the Old Testament were physical fights David's fighting uh, Amalekites and this and that and that and that so this portion of scripture is a major paradigm shift it's a significant statement that is telling us that what the Israelites fought in the physical, we our battle is not in the physical. We are fighting in the spirit. Hallelujah. And I'll explain to you why in the Old Testament, there couldn't be a lot of fighting in the spirit involving human beings. That is because man at that time didn't have what it took to stand against Satan and to stand against his, his, his agents. Amen. We didn't have, Jesus Christ hadn't come to die. We didn't have that right. Satan had absolute power when it came to the earth. So we couldn't see human beings openly challenging demons and openly challenging principalities and stuff like that. I believe in the Old Testament days, God and his angels had to work overtime to keep Satan and the principalities and powers at bay. Because man at that point in time, because Jesus hadn't come, they didn't have the right to deal with them. So God and his angels had to work over time in order to keep them at bay. Hallelujah. If God and the angels hadn't done that, Satan would have run riot on earth and destroyed so many things and caused so much havoc and so much problems. But God and the angels had to work over time because man didn't have that authority to deal with them yet. So, how did this whole thing about the kingdom of Satan come into being? How, what are the foundations? What, what are the roots of the kingdom of Satan? Now, I believe we all know, sometimes these things you don't assume everybody knows, so you teach it, that Satan used to be an angel in heaven. And what, what was his name when he was an angel? Lucifer. All right. Let's look at Isaiah chapter 14. Let's start reading from verse 12. Isaiah chapter 14. Let's start reading from verse 12. It said, How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground, which didst weaken the nations? Next. For thou hast said in thy heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sights of the north. Next. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. Now, this is an entity called Lucifer, created as a very high-ranking angel in heaven. When you read Ezekiel chapter 28, which we'll come to very soon, you realize that he used to minister in the very presence of God. He, they say what? He walks among the fires, all right? He was in the very presence of God. Ezekiel described him as the anointed cherub that covereth. Okay, it is believed that he used to cover the throne of God with his wings. So he was that close to God, right? But then pride entered his heart and he decided that he was going to lead a rebellion. He was going to lead a revolt to overthrow God so that he will sit on God's throne. Now, Satan must have started his rebellion from somewhere. Tonight, I'm going to say a lot of things that will challenge your the theology, okay? And the whole idea is that as you are growing in God, you must start chewing meat, all right? The meat of the word and be chewing bones, okay? The milk is good, but you need to go deeper. And some of the things I'm going to say to you, the whole aim is to stimulate you to go back and read for yourself. Hallelujah. Yes. So I'm going to challenge your theory, your, your theology a bit. Some of the things you have believed for a very long time. I'm going to start, 
I'm going to put a few questions in your mind so that you go back and go and read those things and see whether they are consistent with scripture. Amen. I'm sure when you were in JHS, when they were teaching you about the structure of the atom, they'll give you neutrons, electrons, this, that, that. The structure of the atom is like circles and, you know, those kind of things. But when you go higher, you realize that that one, it was just a, a childish impression for you to be able to appreciate it. Hallelujah. Yes. You realize that, no, this thing is completely different. When you are a child, when they talk about the shape of the heart, it's like this. But when you grow and you start doing science, you realize that it's not exactly that uniform. There's something more to it. And it's the same with the word of God. Sometimes, in order for you to understand certain things, at children's service, they'll teach you certain things at certain levels. But as you grow, as you mature, and as you understand the word of God better, you realize that there is more to it than... Because you see, some of those things, when you are taught at children's service level, you will not be able to appreciate it. It's good for, for, for you to be graduated, for you to build upon certain levels of knowledge before you can attain certain levels of knowledge. Are you getting the point that I'm making? Yes. So, there are a lot of schools of thought. And I'll give you some of these schools of thought. And I'll give you the scriptural basis for them. And the whole aim is that you must go back. Go and read and see whether or no, I agree with this one or not. Some people ask where Satan planned the rebellion. Or where Satan... Um, mobilized troops and where the rebellion came from was it right in heaven or the rebellion was orchestrated somewhere and they moved into heaven to attempt the overthrow now one school of thought has it that the rebellion was actually mobilized from the earth and somebody will say mm, earth wasn't the earth created in genesis chapter 1 verse 1. So you let's look at Genesis chapter 1 verse 1. Let's look at Genesis chapter 1 verse 1. I told you today I'll shake your theology a bit. I'll shake it small. Genesis chapter 1 verse 1. It said, in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. Next. And the earth was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep. When King James says deep, it means he's talking about what? Water. Okay. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. Now, those who believe that the rebellion was mobilized on the earth, the whole basis is that there was a pre-Adamite world. Okay. The theory is that there was a world before this one that we saw God create in Genesis chapter 1 verse 2. When I heard that theory the first time, I was like, mm, because, I mean, as I said, children's service, we are taught, you know, this uh, is Adam, first human being and things. So, I started, you see, the, the thing is that when it comes to doctrine along certain lines, we are allowed to differ. When it comes to dogma, the things that are central to our faith, like the fact that Jesus Christ is God, that one we are not allowed to differ. The moment we differ, either I'm a Christian and you are not, or you are and I'm not. Those ones we are not allowed to differ. Hallelujah. Some of these things are not fundamental to our faith. So we are allowed to have our opinions. Amen. All right. Yes. I know some of you are looking confused already. Don't be confused. <laughs> so the theory is that there was a pre-Adamite world. So I sat down and thought about this thing. Is it really possible that there was a world before this one we see in Genesis chapter 1? And then I started asking myself, you know, scientists have found certain bones and certain fossils and things like that, and they have subjected them to what we call carbon dating. You've heard about carbon dating. Nobody has been able to prove that the, the method for carbon dating is problematic. So we accepted that, I mean, it's been used for hundreds of years and nobody has shown that there is a problem with carbon dating. And some of these bones and some of these things that they have found actually are like millions of years old. Some of them 40,000 years old, 50,000 years old, all kinds of things. They take the bones of things like dinosaurs and they test 
for their age. And since carbon dating hasn't, nobody has been able to, 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 to create a flaw in carbon dating, we accept that, well, I mean, if they said this thing was, is 40 million years or 100,000 years, then uh, scientifically, it's, we've, we've not had any reason to disprove it. Amen. But according to Genesis, from the time of Adam until now, the earth as we know is eight. It's supposed to be just about 6,000 years. That is supposed to be just about 6,000 years. So, where from some of these things? And as I said, scientifically, nobody has been able to prove that the procedure has a problem. So, where from all these bones and where from all these things? If we are saying, so does it mean the Bible is, is lying? So, there has to be an answer somewhere. How many of you agree with me that there has to be an answer? There has to be an answer somewhere. Because the thing has been proved. These things are way older than 6,000 years. But this is a situation where, according to Bible history, if we are to take it that the earth started in Genesis chapter 1, it's just 6,000 years old. So, there is this theological theory called the gap theory. Somebody say the gap theory. Say the gap theory. So, what is this gap theory? The gap theory says that, give me Genesis chapter 1 verse 1 again. So, just go back one step. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. So the gap theory has it that there is actually a gap between Genesis chapter 1 verse 1 and Genesis chapter 1 verse 2. So let's look at verse 2. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. So, if the theory is saying there's a gap between Genesis chapter 1 verse 1 and Genesis chapter 1 verse 2, what he's saying is that in Genesis chapter 1 verse 1, God created the heaven and the earth. But there's a certain gap. Nobody knows how many years, whether it's a thousand years or a million years or something. But something happened to that earth or that heaven and the earth that God created in Genesis chapter 1 verse 1. So the Genesis chapter 1 verse 2 it's actually a recreation. Somebody say a recreation. That is the whole essence of the gap theory. And there are certain scriptures that have been used to buttress the point and the claim for the gap theory. In fact, today I was thinking about it and I, I was wondering. It says, and the earth was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep. Creation hadn't started. What was the first thing God created? Like all the things that he, 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 he brought into being. By this time they're, they're creating. Yes. So light. Light was supposed to be the first thing. Right? So look at this thing. There was that. No, no. Go back. And the earth was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep. Water. So that means even before light came, there was water. So the question is, where from that water? Are you guys in the point I'm making? Where from that water? It must have been created already. And you and I know that water forms what percentage of the earth? About 70% of the earth. So if creation, like originality of creation really started after this, then it means God created just 30% of the earth. Which cannot be so. Because this water was there before the light came and the other things came into being. So that is point number one. God must have done some kind of creation before he brought the light and before the spirit of God moved upon the, the surface of the deep. So the idea is that between Genesis chapter 1 verse 1 and Genesis chapter 1 verse 2, there are some years, there's a gap. Something must have happened to have destroyed the earth, the heaven and the earth that God created in Genesis chapter 1 verse 1. For us to have a chaotic state in Genesis chapter 1 verse 2, for God to come and do a recreation. So the whole idea of the gap theory is that Genesis chapter 1 verse 2 is the beginning of a recreation of the earth. So what are the other things that tend to support this claim? 
Let's look at Genesis chapter 1 verse 28. Genesis 1 28. Genesis 1 28. He said, And God blessed them and said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. The key word here is replenish. Everybody say replenish. Now, when you use the word replenish, if you are thirsty and you said you are replenishing lost water or you are eating to replenish lost energy, the word replenish means or tells us or, or, or seems to connote the fact that the thing was there but you lost it and you are replacing it. Hallelujah. So if God is telling them in terms of multiplication, in terms of filling the earth, he said, he blessed them and said unto them, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it. Replenish. If he's saying they should replenish the earth with human beings and he used the word replenish, then you will not be too wrong to assume that there could have been human beings and something happened and the human beings were lost. And so, God was asking Adam and Eve to replace the human beings that were lost. Is anybody lost so far? If you are lost, you, you tell me. I'll, I'll, I'll go back. Are you lost so far? All right. Yes. So, that is the other scripture that goes to support the fact that probably, as I said, these things, we are allowed to have different views because it is not central to our faith. Okay? This is not what, if you believe, will take you to heaven. So, we are allowed to have our opinions. You understand? Alright. But we need to know these things so that when atheists are asking us questions about the authenticity of the Bible, we'll be able to have answers for them. Because some people stand on some of these things and, and, and try to prove that the Bible is, is wrong or that the, the Bible is not true. Okay? So he said, replenish the earth. Replenish the earth. That means there were human beings there. And he asked Adam and Eve to bring the human race back. So, what does the gap theory assume happened between Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, and Genesis chapter 1, verse 2? The gap theory believes that God actually destroyed the earth with water, with a flood. So, those who believe in the gap theory believe that Noah's time, what happened was actually a second destruction. And the only other time God uses the word replenish was in Genesis chapter 9. After the flood waters had receded, it was like a similar command that he gave to Adam and Eve to replenish the earth. That was when he gave, the only other time God gave that command again was when he had destroyed the earth with the flood again and was asking Noah and his family to replenish the earth. Alright? So, Genesis chapter 1 verse 28. Now, when we go back to Isaiah chapter 14, 12 to 4. How many of you agree that Satan's fall happened before Adam was created? How many of you agree to that? Satan's fall happened before Adam was created. Alright. So let's go back to Genesis chapter 14, verse 12. He said, How art thou falling from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground, which didst weaken the nations? Next. Okay, sorry. Let's, let's remain there. Which didst weaken the nations? Nations. 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 Are you getting where I'm heading towards now? If Satan fell before Adam was created, what are nations doing there when Satan fell? And the Hebrew word for these nations, I told you when I was teaching you about the word of God, that the Old Testament was written in Hebrew. Okay? So if you want the original word for anything in the Old Testament, you go to the Hebrew. The word that is used for nations here is goy, G-O-Y, G-O-Y. And anytime that goy word is used, all its interpretations have to do with human beings, one way or the other. It can be used to mean Gentiles. It can be used to mean nations. It can be used to mean peoples. 
Okay, these are the meanings of that Hebrew word God, and all of them involve human beings. Okay, so if it's saying it did weaken the nations, it presupposes that by the time Satan was falling, there was a human social system in place, one way or the other. When we talk about the nation, we are actually talking about kingdoms and we are talking about a structure that is in place on the earth. And he's saying that the fall of Satan actually did weaken the nations. How it weakened them, I don't know. But maybe with the force, Jesus said, I saw Satan fall like lightning. So maybe when he fell onto the earth, he created some earthquake or whatever. But the Bible is telling us that it did weaken the nations. So it means there's a possibility that there were human beings, there were human systems in place, and nations in place. If you read Ezekiel chapter 28, the first part actually talks about the prince of Tyre. And the latter part talks about the king of Tyre. Later when you go, go and read Ezekiel chapter 28, you realize that the prince of Tyre is actually a human being. It's a human ruler. Okay? The point I'm trying to arrive at is the fact that this theory assumes that there were nations on earth already, human systems on earth already, with earthly rulers. But then angels in heaven also had jurisdiction over certain territories on the earth. As they still do. Because in Daniel chapter 10, we talk about the prince of Persia. We talk about the prince of Greece. Michael, for example, is supposed to be the angel overseeing the Jewish nation. So that structure was there. Where angels, even though they were in heaven, had oversight over certain parts of the earth. So you read Ezekiel 28, and in the beginning, he's talking about the prince of Tyre. And the things he talked about, you realize that it was a human being. But then he goes on to talk about the king of Tyre. And that one, you realize that it's not a human being he's talking about. He described him as a cherub. And some of the things he was saying, it couldn't have been a human being. It presupposes that there were human rulers and there were spiritual rulers over certain territories. Tyre is still around. It's still in the Middle East. It's, it's somewhere in Lebanon, thereabout. All right? So the assumption or the, the, the theorization is that there were human systems, nations, and they had human rulers, and they had angels who had oversight over them. And so there's a possibility that that region, that Tyre belonged to, was under the jurisdiction of Lucifer. He oversaw that area of the then world. Now, if you go back to Isaiah chapter 14, still, Isaiah 14, the next verse. He said, For thou hast said in thy heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my word throne. That means Satan had a throne. I will exalt my throne. That means Satan had a throne. He had a certain kind of authority over a certain place. And he was saying he was going to exalt his throne above the throne of God. So the belief is that Satan had oversight over a certain portion of the earth. And when I come to how Satan's kingdom is arranged, you realize that when you have one chief angel over a place, there are sub-angels that also oversee certain aspects of things. So the theory is that he actually mobilized the rebellion from those who were under him in the area he was supposed to oversee. So he had a throne. He was a boss over a certain area. Whether it was the whole earth or whatever, he was a boss over a certain area. And he had others under him. So he decided to mobilize them. Because if you read it, he said, I will ascend into heaven. If the rebellion was started right in heaven, I don't see why he would have to ascend again. Are you getting the point I'm making? 
It means the mobilization of the rebellion must have started from a place that was below heaven or below where the throne of God is, one way or the other. So he said, I will ascend into heaven and I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mountain of the congregation in the sides of the north. So you see five I wills here. The five I wills that causes us all the trouble <laughs> that we are in today. I will exalt my throne. I will also sit upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. So if you put all of these together, it is possible, and I'm using my words carefully, possible. Because as I said these things, you can choose to believe or you no. Know, the way some of you are looking at my face, it's like, what is this man saying today, Kra? <laughs> you know, it is possible that there was a pre-Adamite world. Satan had jurisdiction or oversight over a certain part of it. He mobilized forces from earth and ascended into heaven to try to take the throne of God. And when it failed, God cast them back onto the earth. Some actually believe that it was the casting down of the angels that destroyed the pre-Adamite world. But because these angels were spirits, they didn't die. So it was the human beings that died. And it is their bones that we see when they are doing archaeological excavations and things like that. And when you date their age, it is way above what the age of the earth is supposed to be. Are you clear with the theory I'm presenting? Yes. So, those are the foundations of the rebellion. So, Satan lost the battle. He was thrown back onto the earth. And so, God recreated the earth and decided that I'm going to put a human being on that same earth. You ask yourself, why is it that when God created man, he didn't take him to Jupiter or Saturn or Uranus or Neptune or any of those other places? Because all those planets were created by God. And now we are even discovering more of them. But he chose a particular place where Satan and his people were. And in Genesis 1, 26, the Bible said he gave them dominion. He said, have dominion over the earth. So the mandate of man was to police the earth. God gave man enough authority to ensure that these rebellious entities don't misbehave. These rebellious entities don't do what they like on earth. But being very smart, Satan realized that no, if I want to have my freedom... I have to cause the policeman that has been put up on, on, on my case to also fall foul of the law so that he will lose his authority. And that's how come Satan had freedom to do whatever he wanted to do. Hallelujah. So even though they were thrown onto the earth, and I told you some time ago from Ephesians chapter 4 verse 9, you realize that hell is also here on earth. You realize that the devil and his angels, it's not all of them that are bound in hell. In fact, a great majority of them are still free walking around and doing all sorts of things and operating still in the heavenlies. But there are also some of these fallen angels that are actually bound in hell. And if you read Genesis chapter 6, you realize that there were some angels and I can't tell whether they were angels that were in heaven. Or they were part of the fallen angels. But there were some angels. The Bible calls them the sons of God. They said they saw the daughters of God and they realized that they were pretty. So they came and had sexual intercourse with them. They sinned with the daughters of God. And that brought about the generation of the giants. Those uh, people of Anak and, and all of those things. That group of angels that sinned, they were given a specific punishment so they were actually bound in hell let's let's look at second peter chapter 2 verse 4 second peter chapter 2 verse 4 so i'm just trying to show you that it's not all of the fallen angels that are actually bound there are some i mean it's not all of them that are free walking around and you know misbehaving there are some that are actually bound he said for if god spared not the angels that sinned but cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment. Next. And spared not the old world, but saved 
Noah, the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly. All right? So, he's trying to tell us that those angels that sinned, it was just before Noah's time that the Bible tells us that they saw the sons of, of, of what do you call it? The daughters of God and they were beautiful and they came down and they came to sin with them and they gave birth to the generation of the giants. And he's saying that God bound them in. Let's go back to the verse 4. He cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment. So there are some of them that have been bound in chains and they are in hell waiting for judgment. Let's look at Jude 6 to 7. Jude 6 to 7. He's still talking about the same thing. Jude 6 to 7. And that gives us an idea of which angels they are talking about that were bound. He said, and the angels which kept not their first estate. Now, the estate is a place of abode. Alright? That is why when you are looking for accommodation in Kolibu, you go to the estate department. So, they kept not their first estate, their place of abode, where they were giving. That's why I'm saying, I don't know whether it is those who are in heaven or those who were cast down. But left their own habitation, he had reserved in everlasting chains. He had reserved in everlasting chains under darkness unto the judgment of the great day. Next. Even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them in like manner, giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh, are set forth for an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. He is likening the sin that the angels committed to the sins that Sodom and Gomorrah committed, which was sexual sin. All right? So, if you link this to what I read in 2 Peter, it tells you that that particular class of angels that involved themselves in that sin of having sexual intercourse with the daughters of God are actually bound in hell. The rest of them, they are moving in the second heavens and, you know, doing all kinds of things. All right. So, this is the basis of how Satan's kingdom was formed. He managed to deceive one third of the angels. They, had tried, they tried to attack God. They lost. They were thrown back onto the earth. But they have maintained their structure, their system. And it's a very efficient structure that we need to understand. And when we go back to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, it says, We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers against rulers of darkness, against spiritual wickedness seated in high places. So we have talked about Satan. He is the boss. He is the chief in this kingdom. He is the king in this kingdom. But the next in rank is what we call the principalities. Say principalities. So the principalities. Satan is like the president. You see, Satan's kingdom is, is, is organized like an army because they are there to fight. Satan is like the president. And in most countries, the president is the commander-in-chief of the armed forces. So Satan is like the president. And then the next in rank are the principalities. These principalities are like the generals. All right? And principalities are placed over nations. The word principality, the Greek, the New Testament was written in Greek. The Greek word is arche. A-C-H. A-R-C-H-E. Arche. All right? Ake. Ake means to rule. So they are high-ranking fallen angels and they actually rule over other angels. And so principalities are set over nations. Sometimes they are even set over races. Races. So principalities deal with a very large number of people. So they are set over nations. So if you read Daniel chapter 10, it talks about the fact that the prince, which is the principality of Persia, came to withstand, um, what do you call it, um, Angel Gabriel. And he took Michael to come and help him to break through. And Michael is the angel that God has set over the Jewish nation. So that particular portion of scripture, what was actually happening was that, you see, the Israelites were at that time under the rule of the Medo-Persian Empire. So there was a principality that was ensuring that certain things were happening. That was the prince of Persia. 
And Daniel, from reading the prophecies of Jeremiah, had realized that the time had come for them to be liberated from that, what do you call it? But the principalities were trying, or the principality in charge of that area was trying to prevent that thing from happening. The message that was going to be brought to Daniel to start the process was trying to hinder that message from coming. So principalities are actually interested in national issues. When you see a country and there is a civil war, or people just get up and instantly start killing themselves and start slaughtering each other, most of the time it is the work of a principality. So that if you are going to fight or you are going to pray against civil wars in a country, you don't go firing your bullets at witchcraft, witches. They are not the source. It's principalities. Hallelujah. I remember some years ago, there was this very terrible civil war. I mean, Liberia has had a number of civil wars. There was one that came later, I think in the late 90s or early 2000s. Some confusion came and people were fighting each other and killing each other. And one of the days, I went to, um, you know, Jericho R. Action. This prayer time they have on Thursdays. There was a time I was on vacation, so I decided to go for Jericho R. And, you know, I mean, Duncan Williams is into his apostle of strategic spiritual warfare. And it was like he felt led that we should pray for Liberia. And as we were praying, he said God opened his eyes and he saw this beast that was like a lion. And he had the flag of Liberia draped on it. And he said he believes that is the principality over the, the nation of this thing, of, of Liberia, which was responsible for the war. And that we have to pray and attack it for 30 minutes straight. In fact, I've not seen people pray and sweat like that before. He got to a time, he just clapped and he stopped. He said he just saw the thing explode into pieces like that. And that we should watch. A ceasefire will come. Just a few days later, they just signed a ceasefire accord like that. So things that happen over nations, things that occur in nations, they are, it's not flesh and blood. You have principalities actually watching over these nations and ensuring that those things come to pass. Satan's agenda for those nations come to pass. Hallelujah. So we are learning these things so that when we are praying for Ghana, we know the areas to direct our bullets. Hallelujah. Yes. So under the principalities, we have what we call the powers. Say the powers. And the Greek word for the powers is exousia. Exousia. Exousia actually means authority. Exerting authority or exerting influence. So the powers actually overrule or oversee regions. While the principality will be in charge of an entire nation, powers will be in charge of regions and also be in charge of influencing policies in the country. Because I said the exousia is authority and then influence. So influencing policies. So when you sit in a country and you realize that they are trying to pass a law which will make Christian worship more difficult. You know that there are powers that are in place that are trying to influence the laws of the land. When America passed this law about gay marriage, it was definitely powers at play. Powers had overcome the nation and had had their way. As for Europe, the powers don't have a lot of resistance because people hardly pray in European countries. We, Africa, eh, it's, it's our prayers that are keeping us small. We now, from time immemorial, the devil has had his eyes on us. Ah, even though for the fact that we know God small, he would have finished us by now. So they influence decisions. They influence policies. And they try to influence policies that will make things more difficult. When you go to campuses... And you realize that it's like almost everywhere there are contentions with venues for Christian meetings. You should know that this thing is not flesh and blood. It is a grand agenda from somewhere. And it's not just in Kolebu. Anywhere you go, you go to Cape Coast University, you go to Legon. It's like people just naturally have an aversion for releasing venues for students to worship God. It's, 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 it's a planting. It's something that Satan has been cooking from hell. Hallelujah. And so when we know these things, we know how to pray. So as Satan is trying to influence, we are also using the power of the Holy Spirit to influence. Amen. 
So powers are in charge of regions, counties, not countries, counties. And they influence policies that are supposed to make worshiping God more difficult in our generation. And then under the powers, we have what we call the rulers of darkness of this world. The Greek word is cosmos kratoras. Cosmos kratoras. Say it and let me hear. Cosmos kratoras. Yes. When you say it, you sound very spiritual. Even sounds like tongues. <laughs> Rulers of darkness. And what do these ones do? They are in charge of any form of perversion, any form of evil. So you can think of armed robbery. You can think of sexual immorality, homosexuality, lesbianism, um, what do you call it? Crime, um, any vice at all you can think about. They rule over these acts of darkness. They influence these acts of darkness. Immorality, nudity, pornography. They are under the influence of these rulers of darkness. These are, are things that, 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 that belong to the dark world. And these entities are in charge of making these things happen. So if you're under the influence of any of these things, you know that you are helping these cosmos kratoras to achieve their aim on earth. <laughs> Hallelujah. Yes. So they are responsible for darkness. Bad things that are happening. All this internet fraud and all this Sakawa business where people are sacrificing people for money. It's, it's all under the influence of 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 um pardon cosmos yeah some people are speaking english some are speaking greek it's all good <laughs> yes so they are responsible for this in every vice you can think about they are under the influence of, of of these spirits and then we have what we call spiritual wickedness spiritual wickedness and they can also be called wicked spirits wicked spirits and for them they use human vessels to operate. All the others can operate on their own. But these ones, they use human vessels. So, when you cast out a demon from somebody, what you are casting out is actually a wicked spirit. What we call a wicked spirit. So, they are the ones who perpetrate and, 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 and facilitate things like, you know, spiritual marriages and all those things that operate in people's lives. Those weaknesses that operate in people's lives. They need human beings to be able to operate. Alright? The others can operate on their own. A principality doesn't have to possess somebody. It doesn't have to enter somebody's life. Before, or somebody's body. But these ones need. So, when Jesus said, if an evil spirit leaves somebody, it goes around, searches for dry ground. And when it comes, and the place has been cleaned, he will send for how many? Seven. More wicked than itself. When he says more wicked, it means even amongst them, we have levels. We have the purpose and <laughs> levels. Say more wicked. So among them, they know that Charlie, you there, you be boss. You know, that kind of thing. See. So wicked spirits, they need human vessels. And later we'll talk more about these ones and things to do with demonic influence and all of that. So to summarize what I've said today. Satan of civil wars. There was one that came later, I think in the late 90s or early 2000s. Some confusion came and people were fighting each other and killing each other. And one of the days I went to, um, you know, Jericho R. Action. This prayer time they have on Thursdays. There was a time I was on vacation, so I decided to go for Jericho R. And, you know, I mean, Duncan Williams is into, is apostle of strategic spiritual warfare. And it was like he felt led that we should pray for Liberia. And as we were praying, he said God opened his eyes. And he saw this beast that was like a lion. And he had the flag of Liberia draped on it. And he said he believes that is the principality over the, the nation of this thing, of, of Liberia. Which was responsible for the war. And that we have to pray and attack it. For 30 minutes straight. In fact, I've not seen people pray and sweat like that before. He got to a time, he just clapped and he stopped. He said he just saw the thing explode into pieces like that. And that we should watch. A ceasefire will come. Just a few days later, they just signed a ceasefire accord like that. 
So things that happen over nations, things that occur in nations, they are, it's not flesh and blood. You have principalities actually watching over these nations and ensuring that those things come to pass. Satan's agenda for those nations come to pass. Hallelujah. So we are learning these things so that when we are praying for Ghana, we know the areas to direct our bullets. Hallelujah. Yes. So under the principalities, we have what we call the powers. Say the powers. And the Greek word for the powers is exousia. Exousia. Exousia actually means authority. Exerting authority or exerting influence. So the powers actually overrule or oversee regions. While the principality will be in charge of an entire nation, powers will be in charge of regions and also be in charge of influencing policies in the country. Because as I said, the exousia is authority and then influence. So influencing policies. So when you sit in a country and you realize that they are trying to pass a law which will make Christian worship more difficult. You know that there are powers that are in place that are trying to influence the laws of the land. When America passed this law about gay marriage, it was definitely powers at play. Powers had overcome the nation and had had their way. As for Europe, the powers don't have a lot of resistance because people hardly pray in European countries. We Africa, eh, it's, it's our prayers that are keeping us small. We now, from time immemorial, the devil has had his eyes on us. Ah, even not for the fact that we know God small. He would have finished us by now. So they influence decisions. They influence policies. And they try to influence policies that will make things more difficult. When you go to campuses and you realize that it's like almost everywhere there are contentions with venues for Christian meetings. You should know that this thing is not flesh and blood. It is a grand agenda from somewhere. And it's not just in Kolebu. Anywhere you go, you go to Cape Coast University, you go to Legon, it's like people just naturally have an aversion for releasing venues for students to worship God. It's, 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 it's a planting. It's something that Satan has been cooking from hell. Hallelujah. And so when we know these things, we know how to pray. So as Satan is trying to influence, we're also using the power of the Holy Spirit to influence. Amen. So powers are in charge of regions, counties, not countries, counties. And they influence policies that are supposed to make worshiping God more difficult in our generation. And then under the powers, we have what we call the rulers of darkness of this world. The Greek word is cosmos kratoras. Cosmos Kratoras. Say it, tell him here. Cosmos Kratoras. Yes. When you say it, you sound very spiritual. Even sounds like tongues. <laughs> Rulers of darkness. And what do these ones do? They are in charge of any form of perversion, any form of evil. So you can think of armed robbery. You can think of sexual immorality homosexuality lesbianism um what do you call it crime um any vice at all you can think about they rule over these acts of darkness they influence these acts of darkness immorality nudity pornography they are under the influence of these rulers of darkness these are are things that 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 belong to the dark world and these entities are in charge of making these things happen. So if you're under the influence of any of these things, you know that you are helping these cosmos kratoras to achieve their aim on earth. <laughs> Hallelujah. Yes. So they are responsible for darkness. Bad things that are happening. All this internet fraud and all this sakawa business where people are sacrificing people for money. It's, it's all under the influence of 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 um pardon cosmo yeah some people are speaking english some are speaking greek it's all good <laughs> yes so they are responsible for this in every vice you can think about 
they are under the influence of, of, of these spirits. And then we have what we call spiritual wickedness. Spiritual wickedness. And they can also be called wicked spirits. Wicked spirits. And for them, they use human vessels to operate. All the others can operate on their own. But these ones, they use human vessels. So, when you cast out a demon from somebody, what you are casting out is actually a wicked spirit. What we call a wicked spirit. So, they are the ones who perpetrate and, 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 and facilitate things like, you know, spiritual marriages and all those things that operate in people's lives. Those weaknesses that operate in people's lives. They need human beings to be able to operate. Alright? The others can operate on their own. A principality doesn't have to possess somebody. It doesn't have to enter somebody's life before or somebody's body. But these ones need. So when Jesus said, if an evil spirit leaves somebody, he goes around, searches for dry ground, and when he comes and the place has been clean, he'll send for how many? Seven. More wicked than itself. When he says more wicked, it means even amongst them, we have levels. We have the papers and <laughs> levels. Say more wicked. So among them, they know that Charlie, you there, you be boss. You know, that kind of thing. See? So wicked spirits, they need human vessels. And later we'll talk more about these ones and things to do with demonic influence and all of that. So to summarize what I've said today, 